European Member of Parliament Christine Anderson is coming to Canada and she's got a lot to say about Justin Trudeau and how he treated Canadians. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. minister who openly admires the Chinese basic dictatorship who tramples on fundamental rights by persecuting and criminalizing his own citizens as terrorists just because they dared to stand up to his perverted concept of democracy should not be allowed to speak in this house at all. Mr. Trudeau, you are a disgrace for any democracy. Please spare us your presence. Thank you. That woman right there is Christine Anderson. She's a conservative European member of parliament and she cares about civil liberties and freedom and accountability. And she was very outspoken against Justin Trudeau and how he treated Canadians when they stood up to his government over his COVID mandates. Now, Christine's coming to Canada to meet with the people that she says inspired the world to stand up against COVID tyranny. Those people are Canadians, which is one thing that Justin Trudeau has never done, and that was meet with Canadians who stood up to tyranny. Now, the tour is called What Would Christine Anderson Do? And I can't wait for her to land here. You can get details at www.cadtour.com. Now, joining me now is European Parliament MP Christine Anderson in an interview we recorded earlier. Take a listen. Joining me now is Christine Anderson. She's a member of the European Parliament for the Alternative for Germany Party. And Christine, you're on your way to Canada. Why are you coming to Canada? I'm finally coming to Canada and I've, uh, I'm really looking forward to finally doing this. Um, I will have to say over the past two years, um, I have really grown fond of, uh, of, the, of Canada, of the Canadians, uh, because what we saw, saw was actually... Uh, Canada out of all countries so it was pretty much you know the free country you know just seeing that once free country is being turned into a totalitarian regime pretty much uh, where people's livelihoods uh, are threatened uh, where bank accounts are frozen um, just because people you know exercise their right to uh, assembly to assembly and uh, free speech so um, that was that was really a uh, and, you know, once again, if you understand the mechanisms that are in place when doing that, but yet the Canadian truckers, they just stood up and they just said, uh, no, we're not going to put up with this. We will fight for our rights and our fundamental rights and our freedom. Uh, and that takes a lot of courage and a lot of bravery. And uh, that is it, just is so I, I was so impressed by that. And then also think about, I mean, that that spark that, you know, was sent down by the by the Canadian truckers. It traveled all over the world and it pretty much, yeah, set set a power, you know, into place where people finally started to to wake up, to stand up and to not take it anymore and to see uh, the ones that were brave enough to put a stop to this and stand up. And I'm really excited meeting lots of people who are, yeah, the bravest people in the world, in my book. 
Yeah, it was interesting as a Canadian to, you know, people think of us as passive or we're nice, I think, is how the rest of the world perceives us. But we stood up to a government that was doing their best to crush us. Um, and I, I, as a Canadian, I was really proud to see the protest movement. It set off across the world. A truck convoy was a symbol of freedom in Australia and in Holland and in places across Europe and even in the United States. It's not normally that we lead the people in the United States to a protest movement, yeah. but we had. Uh, do you have um, Do you have some time set aside during your tour to meet with the truckers, some truckers? Uh, I will absolutely do whatever I have to do, yes, to meet those people, because that's that's why I'm going there. That's why I'm coming, because I want to see the people that understand what it takes to stand up for fundamental rights and to defend your freedom. You've been uh, quite a critic of Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Oh, have I? And I think the outside of the world sort of either perceives him as a bit of an idiot or nice to a fault. But his reaction to the Freedom Convoy exposed him, I think, to the rest of the world as the totalitarian many Canadians know he is. Do you, do you think that's an accurate assessment? Do you think the world is sort of changing their opinion on Justin Trudeau? They still believe that he was actually fighting terrorists and that, you know, he had a right to freeze their bank accounts and that he had a right to, to threaten their livelihoods. Um, but things are changing. And uh, you will see even a lot of elected representatives, once things change and uh, they are no longer sure uh, that people will actually vote for them, they will change very quickly and they will, you know, forget whatever they said yesterday and they will try to pass themselves off as the ones that have always said it and always known it. But um, I think the, the people have gotten a, a feeling for uh, lies like that. <clears throat> and uh, luckily nowadays we do have the technology and if anyone claims I've always been saying this and I've always uh, been fighting this, you can look it up. And uh, that's what we're also working on, you know, to have a record of who said what at what point and uh, just to document that. And uh, anyone, you know, trying to to yeah lie to the people now and saying we've always said this and we had always been on your side. No, I just go, no, look here. That's you, isn't it? <laughs> you said this and you were for it. And you, so it's not going to work anymore. And uh, this is a very important part of, of my work that I'm, uh, uh, yeah, devoted to even. I will make sure that the people will never forget who it was who imposed these restrictions on them and uh, who was pretty much, yeah, trying to turn their countries into totalitarian regimes. Now, that's a great lead in to something I wanted to ask you about, because you're doing something in the European Parliament that we are not doing in Canada. And I can't in the foreseeable future see us doing that. And that is to hold the decision makers to account or at least undergo an official examination of the handling of COVID um, because of uh, Justin Trudeau's stranglehold on power. I don't think there will ever be an examination, at least while he's in charge of what he did to Canadians. But in the European Parliament, folks like you are doing your best to uh, get all the facts on the table and not allow people to rewrite their own history of what they did to the public. We are a minority trying to do what you what you just described. We were so compelling and we were gathering all that information. In the beginning, it was really just 
questioning things. And the people, they just were like, what? She is just questioning something. And that's what we all should be doing. So it didn't really work in the end. Uh, but once again, we are in a minority. But uh, we, yeah, exposed so many things. And uh, I guess we were just kind of stubborn uh, about exposing all of these things. And uh, yeah, it did not work in the end. And they're trying or they're sort of, you know, coming around now, at least pretending uh, to be on our side. But uh, in the background, they're still trying to fight, trying to fight us. Uh, but we, like I said, we keep going and uh, we will continue to keep going. And uh, there's just been uh, two decisions that have been made in COVID committee. Uh, number one is since uh, CEO Pfizer, uh, uh, Albert Bourla, has now refused twice to show up in committee and answer our questions. Uh, I mean, he, he didn't have any problems with taking billions of taxpayers' money. So it was uh, voted on and there is a majority in COVID committee. Uh, then we will move uh, to have their granted access revoked to uh, EU Parliament. So any Pfizer, if it goes through finally, any uh, representative Pfizer will no longer uh, be allowed in EU Parliament as they wish. So that's, that's one thing. And I just say, I mean, what uh, Borla demonstrated, it was just utter contempt and disregard for the people that he pushed his stupid vaccines on. You know, it's so important to get this sort of stuff on the record. I think when we look back in 20 and 40 years at the catastrophe that the globe underwent because of an overreaction to COVID and a big pharma seeing it as an opportunity to line their pockets, people's health be damned. It's so important that this is on the record and that, you know, they are not able to rewrite history. And it's happening so fast. You know, when they said, yeah. we never said that COVID stops the spread or that the vaccine stops the spread of COVID. They said it on the record for two and a half years. And that yet they think you're hard of remembering nine months later. It's very bizarre, yeah. but it is happening so fast. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, um, I'm actually kind of glad that Borla did decline to show up in our committee because the representative he sent uh, in, in his place was actually that lady who was stupid enough to admit to that, that they never even tested on that. And I'm pretty sure uh, Borla might not have uh, made that mistake. So I'm kind of glad he did send whoever he did send. And uh, yeah, that she actually said what she did. Now, I wanted to ask you about something else that just happened in your country as we're recording this. It happened, I believe it was yesterday. Little Greta Thunberg was arrested outside of a German coal mine uh, protesting. It looks like it was completely staged, all for the cameras. I mean, she's, what, 80 pounds, and she's got four cops hauling her away, and she's smiling and looking right at the cameras. Uh, I'd like your opinion of this, because I think the reason G Germans are in an energy crisis is because of the policies of the likes of Greta Thunberg, green energy policies, made Germany reliant on Russia. Whatever you think about Russia, um, Germany has its own coal and should be, you know, energy independent by and large. Well, first of all, Greta Thunberg, she doesn't know what the heck she's talking about. <laughs> I mean, when she started out her crusade against whatever, you know, it, it was all fossil fuels and, and no nuclear power and all of this. She condemned all of this. Uh, and uh, like what... 
a year ago, or maybe not, maybe seven, eight months ago, uh, she suddenly changed her tune, you know, in light of the events uh, that happened when uh, Putin invaded Ukraine. Uh, she changed her tune into, well, Germany should have never shut down or put a, a turn off their nuclear power plants. So she doesn't even know what the hell she's talking about. As you look at footage of her being arrested, it's very clear that the police are actors in this play also, <laughs> either wittingly or unwittingly. They're just propped in props in this Greta Thunberg production. Right, exactly. Well, see, like I said, this is just the thing. If the police are in the process of making an arrest, they will not stop suddenly and make sure that the cameras got it right. And, you know, that whatever. No, this is not not how it works. So I'm not quite clear on if these were actually police officers who were kind enough to kind of, you know, stop for a moment to make sure that the camera was rolling. But it is a fact this whole thing was staged to get more publicity or whatever. And, you know, that the public would be all poor Greta. They can, you know, arrest her, da, 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 da. I mean, like I said, it's a big scam. That's what it is. Now, you've also been quite a critic of green energy in general. Um, I look at the cost of living and really the effects of energy poverty in Germany. And a lot of that has to do with the decommissioning of the coal mines and the decommissioning of cheap, affordable uh, nuclear energy, which, if you are like Greta Thunberg, doesn't produce any greenhouse gas emissions if you care about those sorts of things. But there's also this knock-on effect of... Uh, now forcing people into green cars that you can't afford. I mean, California is already on brownouts as we speak. And uh, how? What, what about infrastructure, especially in metropolitan areas? You know, you have millions of people there. How will you be able to make sure that everyone has a chance to charge their cars without having to get up like three, four times during the night? You know, once their car has been charged, they have to remove it to make room for someone else who needs to charge their car. It is... It's absurd what they're trying to do, but it's just another way of pushing their agenda of having this elite world where, you know, the rich live whatever life they want to live and pretty much have a, a slave people who have to provide for, you know, their comfort and whatever they want to do. So. Now, I'm glad you mentioned the elites because I, that's the last and final thing I wanted to talk to you about it, right now. In Davos, Switzerland, the World Economic Forum is happening. I sent a journalist out this morning to look for the bugs because <laughs> they, they, they won't shut up about me wanting to eat bugs. I, not, I live in the land of beef, um, but they want us to eat bugs. So I sent a journalist out onto the streets. I said, find me the bugs. If they want me to eat bugs, I want to see them eating bugs. And he can't seem to find any uh, because, as you say, there's a slave class. We're the slave class and they are the elites. Exactly. And what I'm looking at here right now is just a legislation uh, that will go into effect uh, January 24th. Uh, so what, two weeks from now? Not even, no, a couple of days. Um, yeah. So the EU Commission uh, licensed uh, a company to actually sell insects in their food. It just has to be, you know, declared whatever, and it's called this this new uh, new nutrition and whatever. So yeah, this is going on, and I, I'm telling you, uh, I, I would bet everything I have, we are going to be the ones eating bugs, but they 
will continue to have their yummy steaks and, you know, whatever high price, even quality, high quality. Yeah, but they want, you know, us to, to live like in servitude. That's that's their idea. They want to come driving around anymore. It, it's a nuisance. I mean, the streets are blocked. You know, you have traffic jams and all of that. They want to ride their cars, but you're not supposed to. And you're not supposed to, to jet around the world. That will be reserved for only them. But the, the, the really treacherous thing about it, though, is they're trying to sell it off to the people. That, well, you have to do this. We have, we have to save the planet. And that's we. We have to save the planet. But guess what? It's you have to save the planet while I do whatever the heck I want. That's pretty much their game. And that's what they're aiming for. And I just seriously hope that people will finally catch on to that scheme and uh, that, will, that they will simply stop doing whatever they're asked to do. Yeah, it's really interesting to watch them enforce these policies because if they can't make you a true believer by scaring the daylights out of you that the earth is going to end in 12 years or eight years or whatever our doomsday clock is at these days, then mm -hmm. they get you on the other side by making the food you need too expensive through their nitrogen policies as what we've seen happening in Holland where, you know, you've got to basically end certain farming practices, shutter certain lands to farming, which dries up the cost of meat and dairy for normal people. So even if you don't believe in global warming, you still can't eat the meat you want to eat because of global warming policies. Right. I mean, everyone needs food. If you have control over food supply, uh, you know, you have people pretty much at your mercy. You can do with them whatever the heck you want. And uh, yeah, they do that by shutting down farms, telling them you cannot, uh, you know, farm your land anymore. But it's we don't want to punish you. It's for your own good. We want to save the planet because we're the good guys. So, I mean, this, the, the, the gaslighting going on. Um, especially in the last two years. I mean, it's been going on for quite some time. But uh, the, the extent and the magnitude of gaslighting going on and trying to fool people into thinking uh, they just have to do whatever the government tells them to, that's just, that's terrifying. It's really terrifying. Now, I know you're on a very tight timeline today. How do people get more information about your tour? Um, and when do you land in Canada? When When does it start? Okay, so I will um, think I land on the 18th and uh, I hope you can put in the, the website where you get all the information uh, of my tour, where I will be at what time and uh, what I'm going to be doing there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to coming to, to Canada and uh, I will make it a point to speak and to see as many people as possible. And I'm not talking about politicians. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, some high ranking, whatever. I'm coming to see the people because I'm doing this for the people. So that that's these are the ones I want to see. Well, Christine, I want to thank you so much for your advocacy for normal Canadians and your willingness to meet with them because, um, as you know, Justin Trudeau never did. Uh, he simply maligned them. He libeled them. He called them names instead of just walking out of his front door when they were in Ottawa and actually speaking to the people. So you're doing one thing that our prime minister didn't even do for us. So I thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time today. Thank you so much.
Again, for tickets and tour details of Christine Anderson's visit to Canada, just go to www.cadtour.com. So that stands for What Would Christine Anderson Do? Tour.com. I cannot wait to see the crowds come out to see her. Well, everybody, this is a portion of the show where we welcome your viewer feedback. Unlike the mainstream media, we actually care about what you think about the work that we're doing here at Rebel News. And so I give out my email address at Sheila at rebelnews.com. Drop me a line, put gun show letters in the subject line. So it's really easy for me to find or leave a comment on Rebel or YouTube. Sometimes I go looking over there too. So wherever you find us, drop us a line. You might end up on the show. So today's letter comes from regular viewer, Rebel News super supporter, Bruce Atchison. I think he's out in Radway, Alberta, home of a very great military surplus store that I can never seem to get to, but I really, I would like to get there at least before spring, before camping season. Anyways, Bruce writes, what a great interview you did on tonight's show. That was the interview with Chris Sims from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, who is a new Alberta, but uh, an Alberta evangelist now. She loves it here. It's like she's never not been here. Uh, she's just like one of us. And I'm so glad that she's one of us. Anyways. Bruce writes, I wish I could ask Chris Sims why she likes keeping carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. I don't know if she does. I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not sure she said that. Um, we need more of that life-giving gas. It's no sin of a mission to let that plant food do its God-given task. Um, now, I think Chris made the argument for if you want to keep greenhouse gases out of the atmosphere, there are better ways to do that than taxing people um, if that is the intended purpose. Um, I'm not sure if she made an argument against greenhouse gases in general. I think she's against pollution, but I'm not sure she sees carbon dioxide as a pollution. Again, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I'm pretty sure she believes that taxes don't change the weather. Anyway, I'd also love to ask Chris if she thinks sales taxes are an admission of government incompetence. Governments which implement sales taxes seem to be poor managers of tax money, so they crave more of it. I think that's a condition of every single government. PSTs directly punish the poor. Yes, they do. And giving rebates is inefficient. Some bureaucrat gets paid to decide how much you get or if you're eligible for one. Isn't that the truth? Just don't take the money from me. Why do you have to take the money from me and cycle it through the hands of 100 bureaucrats before I get a, a bit of it back? Uh, Bruce also writes, I'm also of the opinion that disabled folks like me need the protection of a firearm. I'm willing to hear that argument. I just don't think that's an argument for disabled people. I think it's an argument for literally everybody. Well, able-bodied people, people who are smaller than others, people like me, it needn't be a high-powered either. I think it's your choice, Bruce. As long as it stops a bad guy and sends him or her to meet God, then that's good enough. And that's my letter from Bruce with his cat, Delta, who says, stay sane or die trying. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. <laughs>